Test, test, test. Are we good? All right. We just switched to a new mic. We had a bad mic last week. And I think we're back in action. All right. Um, I do want to say as we get started today that uh, it's a great honor that every week our, our live stream uh, people from various parts of the world join us, and we welcome you today. And um, if you're a guest here today, it is a true honor that you've come to be with us. Um, as always, we have in our app, if you've downloaded our app, we have message notes in there that are the scriptures, the key points, and things that can help you follow along, and also um, gather information that you could use in the future as you look back and say, wow, you know, uh, there's some information that challenged me that I want to go back and look at. It's there for um, that purpose. So, um, I, wa- I started off last week, and we started a new series last week by saying that God is doing something unique on the earth. Uh, it is a great time to be alive. It's a great time to be a son of God. It's a great time to be a daughter of God. Um, he's working through people in amazing ways, and uh, it's exciting. It's unprecedented. If you ever just did some research, uh, to see what God is doing. I was doing some of this last week. God is doing something in China. I mean, there was, there are experts to say in China, which is a communist nation, uh, atheist declared atheist nation by the year 2030, which is 11 years from now, the the number of Christians in that nation will overtake. This is a, a prediction now will overtake the number of Christians in America. God, God is moving. There are people in Muslim nations that are having dreams. In fact, a missionary in a Muslim nation said this. He said, 25% of the people that are being converted to follow Jesus Christ have, have been converted through a dream, a direct dream of a man in white showing up in a person's dream and revealing themselves as Jesus Christ. God is moving on the earth. It's powerful and amazing. And uh, this little church in Syracuse, New York, wants to be a part of it. You know, uh, I want to say my wife and I are going to India to help train people that will go to various nations like I've discussed um, as missionaries. We're going in April. Uh, We're excited about that. And we hope in the future to take people with us to help train missionaries that will leave their home and go and bring the gospel to another place. Uh, We're excited about this, but the bottom line is we are living in unprecedented times. Um, God is moving across the earth powerfully. And one of the things that God has been saying to me is to be a part of that movement. It's going to require that people go deeper in their faith, that, that, that they go to a place of greater commitment, that you know, if you look back at the history of revivals and, and moves of God, it, it came, these moves came through people that were crying out, the people that were praying, that people were taking risks, people were stepping out. It came where, not where people were comfortable and, and casual about their faith, but they were just going after it. There were people that were involved in 40-day fasts and overnight prayer meetings regularly and, and people gathering together just to seek God and to cry out to God and believe Him for greater things. And so as I stand before you today, I'm saying that God is saying to me in my spirit that He's calling us deeper. He's calling us to go after it. 
You know, it's not time to take the foot off the pedal. It's time to put the foot down on the pedal and say, I'm going. I'm, I'm ready to move. I'm, I'm going to dig deeper. I'm gonna, I'm, it's going to cost you something, you know. You know, it's going to cost you your time. Sometimes prayer is a battle. Like, you know, uh, there's a million other things that you could be doing. And sometimes you look at prayer and you say, wait a second, I'm not really seeing the fruit of this. But the reality is, you know, a harvester, they don't harvest until uh, due time. There's, There's planting. There's planting that takes place. Then there's growth. Then there's the harvest, right? And, and many times prayer is the planting. It's the planting of seeds. It's the process that you go through before you see the harvest of God come through. And so today, as we continue this series, um, I, I want to talk about uh, and continue to talk about this concept of follow. We introduced this last week by uh, the first message was, what does it mean to follow Jesus? Jesus walks along the shore of Galilee. You see this in, in the Gospels, multiple Gospels. Jesus is walking along the shore of Galilee, and he says to these two over here, they're, they're uh, casting their net, and he says, come, follow me. And then a short time later, there's two other ones that are mending their nets. They're fixing the holes in their nets. And he's, he says to them, come, follow me. And wouldn't you know it, they up and followed him. Now, in our that to me blows my mind, if you think about it. Because it just doesn't work that way in our culture. To our culture, follow me means, you know, um, go where I go, do what I do, and when it's not convenient for you, it's okay to get off. You know, it's okay to step aside. But the follow me that we talked about last week and what it meant in that day for those people is vastly different. Jesus was a rabbi. And rabbis were known for calling disciples to follow them. Rabbi, a rabbi in that day was a highly honoring position, and it was extremely honoring to be asked to follow a rabbi. And so Jesus is walking along. He's a, he's a rabbi, a, a religious leader, someone who's trained and, and someone who uh, represented God. And he asked them to follow him, and they up and follow him. And that day, uh, a disciple who was following after rabbi, their goal was not to just learn from the rabbi. Their goal was not just to learn about what the rabbi knew. Their goal was to become like the rabbi. And this is the follow me that Jesus was talking about. They up and left their businesses. They up and left their families. They up and left their conveniences. You know, their forms of entertainment, their security, their position to follow him. It was, a, it was a sacrifice. You understand? And that was what he meant when he said follow. And when I say that God is calling us deeper, he's calling us to consider the reality of what he's asked of us. He's called us to count the cost of this whole thing about being a follower of Jesus. And so it's with that that we continue this series. So if I were to define it or describe it simply to follow, when Jesus said, will you follow me or come follow me, to follow Jesus means or is equal to us reorienting our lives. 
I was going this way. I had these dreams. I had these plans. I had these desires. I was doing this. I was supporting my family this way. And us reorienting our lives to, uh, to do whatever it takes to go after him. And not only reorienting our lives, but also imitating him to others. Because ultimately the goal is to be like him. Same, same as it was 2,000 years ago, it is today. We are growing to be more like Jesus. We're growing to be more like him. In our talk, in our actions, in our thinking. And how we re- represent him to the world. We're growing to be more like Jesus. So uh, today I want to talk to you. Um, I, I've titled my series, Dying to Live. Dying to Live. All through the New Testament. This is a, this is a concept about dying to our ways, dying to ourselves. And the reality is to live the kind of life that Jesus calls, to, calls us to, there has to be something in us that dies, that steps aside. Just like back in the days when those, when those, those good old fishermen up and followed Jesus, something had to die in them, right? Something had to give way to the call to pursue Jesus's, uh new purpose for them. You see, they began to, they gave up their purpose or what they thought their purpose was for their lives to follow his purposes for their lives. And something has to die. So, you know, the beauty of it is if something dies, then something has to come to life. And so in the Bible, Mark chapter 8, we're going to look at a few passages here. Are we okay? I mean, I understand that no one wants to die. I understand that. You know, I, I get that. But, but there's, there's hope on the other side. There's hope, on, there's, there's hope in this, okay? I'm not talking about someday in, when, uh, in the by and by when you're standing with Jesus. I'm talking about hope now today. He says, I have come to give you life. You know, I, 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 there's, there's an abundance, abundant life available to us. That's the other side that I'm talking about, okay? So in Mark chapter 8, verse 34, it says this. Then he called the crowd to him, along with the disciples, and said, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves. That's almost like curse words in our modern day language, right? Deny yourselves. Uh, You know, I've been trying to lose weight over, over the last year. And denying myself really, frankly, stinks, you know? I mean, just to be honest with you. But there's other things we got to deny ourselves. Sometimes we got money, you know, I used to say some of my kids had a, uh, uh, money burned a hole in their pocket because, you know, whenever it was there, they had to find a way to spend it. And they couldn't deny themselves, you know? And maybe there's some things we want that we don't really want to deny ourselves. And we just want to go spending and it, you know, it, it doesn't matter that it's going to hurt us in the end. We just want to go spending. Denying ourselves is not, that's why I say it's close to a curse word in our language. But he says, if you want to be my disciple, you must deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. I'm sure the disciples were like, yeah, go Jesus, Hallelujah. You know, just like you are today. You're like, oh, I could have slept in. I already lost an hour of my weekend. 
But see, you know, let me just say this. This is not like if you were to go to a church growth seminar or read books on how to double the size of your church in six months, this wouldn't be the kind of stuff that they talk about because Jesus really is saying, you know what? It's up to you if you're going to follow me. This is what it's going to be like if you follow me. This is what it needs to be like. And somewhere in, in, in the Bible, you know, as you look, it's not really an, it's not optional. He's not saying, well, you know, if you, if, if you feel like it, if you're having a good day, if, you're, if you feel called to the ministry or going overseas as a missionary, then you got to follow me. No, he's saying, if you're going to be my disciple, if you're going to be one who calls yourself by my name, you got to deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow me. In that day, and at that time, Jesus had not gone to the cross. But all of those in his hearing were acutely aware of what it meant by taking up your cross. Because it was, they lived under Roman rule. And it was a form of the, the worst punishment perhaps the world has ever known. The Romans worked to perfect this crucifixion process and bring people to a place where, you know, there was utter agony and asphyxiation and, and uh, long-lasting pain. They knew about the cross in that day. And he's saying, if you're going to follow me, there's some things in you that got to die. If you're truly going to be my disciple. And, and interestingly, his words include the words, follow me. Just like he said to those disciples. And they up and followed him. And he goes, actually, it gets a little bit better, okay? For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. There's, there's hope that, that if, we, if we lay down our lives for him, there's, there's something great on the other side. There's life on the other side. And so therein lies this, this concept of dying to live. And at the age of 22, I had been married a year and went into the Air Force. In my mind, I was in a place, we were in a place, my wife and I, that we were going to save the world. You know, we were passionate about Jesus. We, uh, you know, for young people, we were just going after the things of God. And a short time in, uh, I was in boot camp. I led someone to the Lord in the bathroom at boot camp, you know. I was just, you know, I'm just on fire. People need to know this Jesus. He's amazing. And I, I got, we went to miss, from Mississippi to um, Colorado. And in Colorado, my mindset was, this is my duty station. I'm going to... There's all these people my age, some younger, some older, that, uh, this, this group of people that I'm working with, and, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to influence their lives for Jesus. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lead them to the Lord. They're going to they're gonna see God, God's love, um, you know, the discipline on my life and all this stuff, and uh, I was mistaken. I ended up being influenced by them. And so... You know, it started off slow and subtle, and we really became friends. It was authentic friendship. Um, but then they were going out places, out partying, drinking, you know. And uh, 
there were times that we would be sent, our squadron would be sent away on a deployment or we'd go for training. Uh, it seemed like we'd be gone a, a few months out of the year, you know. And all those times I was out, you know, I was, I was living this life where I was doing stuff I didn't want to do. I was, I was drinking and partying with the people that I was there. I knew I was purposed to be there to influence them for Jesus, you know. But I ended up being influenced by them. And it was, it was this, this horrible time, maybe a year and a half of this time period where um, I just, I felt guilt and shame. You know, I, I, let, I let Jesus down. I, I knew why I was there. I knew what I was supposed to be doing. But I was giving it, and it could have gotten much worse. Thank God it didn't. You know, in that day, I could have ruined my marriage. You know, uh, uh, all these things could have happened because I, I compromised in my life. And I want to say, to me, looking back, the reality of what was wrong was that there was something in me that didn't die. There was something in me that, in me that I let continue to live. It's one thing to make a mistake, but it's another thing to continue walking in that. You understand? And I continued to walk in it over, over that period of time. And I could tell you during that period of time, my whole purpose of reaching people for Jesus was quenched. It was like snuffed out because I was walking in guilt and shame, condemnation, some self-condemnation, some condemnation from the, from the devil. It didn't matter. I was just like, how can I be effective? Look at my life now. And that's because something that needed to die didn't die. It could have died after that first time that I gave in and compromised, but it didn't. I let it continue. And, and the reality is that a lot of us are putting up with stuff in our lives like that where we just got to put it to death. And I want to I walk you through what that looks like. I want to help you. You know, the, the reality is maybe this isn't the kind of message that leads to uh, multiply, multiplied church growth, but the reality is that it's going to help you grow. And I care about that a lot. I care about people growing and being strong enough to stand on their own two feet as a follower of Jesus and knowing who they are and how they can live this life out. And so, Jesus introduces this New Testament concept about the idea of death to his followers. And yet, I don't know, call them stupid, call them whatever you want, but some of them continue to follow him. Right? Okay, I, I get it. Now, Jesus is not saying there's a literal death, like, you know, you're going to be put in a grave and, and buried He's talking about your will, your ways, your purposes being laid down so that his will, his ways, and his purposes can bring about life in you. It's about the direction we're going and, and why we're here and what we're to do while we're here. You know, I would hate to see the person that I would have become apart from Jesus, to be honest with you. I don't think it would have been pretty at all. Because when left to ourselves, you know, there's, there's wickedness. There's, there's, you know, we have a bent toward sin and our desires and our pleasures that don't necessarily bring glory to God. They're harmful. They're hurtful. 
You know, they leave a path of destruction behind us. And so Jesus is calling these disciples to follow him. In Romans, I was reading Romans. I just kept poring over the book of Romans, especially uh, chapters 5, 6, 5 and 6. In chapter 6, Paul is writing very similarly about this concept. Again, it's all through the New Testament. He says in, in verse 3, he says, Or don't you know that all of us who are baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Now, what does that mean? He goes on to say, We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may have a new life. If you've, if you've invited Jesus Christ into your life as Lord, and you got baptized, even the baptism is symbolic of dying. You go underwater. Why do you go underwater? Because it's representative of a grave. The things that were you, the things that, you, uh, that were part of your old life, the things that mattered to you, the, the things that you became, they're dying under the water. And it's, uh, we even say, this is what we say when we baptize someone. I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, buried in the likeness of his death, and raised in the likeness of his resurrection. That's what, th- those are the words that we use. It's so powerfully symbolic that we, we, we die. The things that we were go under the water or into the grave, and we come up a new person. This is what Paul's saying here. We're therefore buried with him. So our, uh, us following Christ is symbolic of hanging on the cross or dying like he died. And he died with a purpose. He died so that our sins could be forgiven. He died to his will so that we can, we can live in God's will, right? He, he came and lived a sinless life, but he took upon himself our sins and our wickedness and our ways so that we... we we don't have to carry that. We don't have to pay the penalty of that. He took that from us so that we can live like he lived, sinless, led by the Holy Spirit, empowered, a pleasure to our Father. This is why Jesus said, literally when Jesus, when Jesus came up from the water baptism of John the Baptist, the Father from heaven says, this is my Son with whom I'm well pleased. We're positioned because of our association with Jesus Christ to step into literally what he represented on this earth. A sinless, perfect person loved by their father. We don't have to pay. I'm just so grateful we don't have to pay the price. I'm so grateful that what Jesus has done was on our behalf. He was our substitute. So, so he took what we deserved so that we could get what he deserved. You understand that? This is, this is amazing what God has done. So in, in 3 and 4, he's, we, we're associated, our lives are associated with Christ. In verse 6, it says here, For we know that our old self, this is the person that we were. Think about who you were before you came to Jesus. I don't want none of that. I don't want none of that. I'm so through with that person, right? 
The reality, though, is that that person tries to remain in us. The Bible says, Paul says through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, that that's our old self. Our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with. Now this this can get deep, but I just want you to know that all our lives before Jesus, we carried a sin nature. Sin ruled us, sin controlled us. Uh, We weren't in control. The reality is, no matter how good we tried to be, we could be kind, we could be loving, we could be generous. The reality is, apart from Jesus, we were done. But it says here in verse 6 of Romans chapter 6 that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with. So that old self has been done away with. That thing is, is done. It's toast. You know, some of us, I think, you know, we, to- we tow around that coffin on wheels and-, and that thing pops up every once in a while. You know, it could be road rage. It- you know, the- you could be having a trouble on the road and all of a sudden that person pops up, I'm going to kill you! Or it could be in our home when someone says something that triggers us. You know, it's that old person. That's the old self. That thing needs to continue to be put to death. And, and it lives itself out through our habits now. It's not controlling us. It says that that thing was put to death or crucified with Jesus so that uh, the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. I want to tell you, if you're in Jesus, you're not a slave to sin. If you're in Jesus, you've been set free from sin. It cannot control you. This is, God is so good. It says, because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. He goes on to say in verse 11, In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Count yourselves, or maybe different translations would say, consider yourselves, or or walk this thing out as dead to sin, because the reality is sin is still there. Temptations are still there. Opportunities are still there. And it's our habits, habits and our weaknesses that cause us to give in to that. It's not the control of the sin nature over us anymore. So I want to talk to you about how to walk this out practically in daily life. How do we walk this out practically in daily life? Because this is so important. Maybe you've been in a place where, you know, you've had some level of compromise. And, you know, in in kind Christian terms, we call that in process. You know, I'm in process. Don't judge me. Well, dude, you've been in process for two years. When are you going to die to that thing? You know, when are you going to just put that thing to death and move on? Because this in process means that you're spiraling and you're not serving God really. Because you, you carry some level of guilt, shame, and condemnation. And God never meant for us to carry that. That's why in that Romans passage it says, There is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Why? Because we put to death the deeds of the flesh. How do we we walk this out? Here's here's a few thoughts. How do we we apply this to our lives? Um, It's so important. The The first thought I have, and I have three that I'll share with you. The first one is crucify the eye. Crucify the eye. What does that mean? In Galatians 2.20, this is what it says. Crucify the eye. 
It says, I have been crucified with Christ. This is Paul writing to the Galatians. I have been crucified with Christ. And I no longer live. You see, some of us, we've just got to, whenever we come to a place where where we're living in this life and there's there's struggle, there's there's challenges, you know, uh, this is an everyday thing. Let me just say it this way. Paul writes this, I die every day. I die daily, 1 Corinthians 15. I die daily. He says, I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live but Christ lives in me. The more that you live over Christ, the more you're going to struggle. But Paul says that I, I'm, I don't live anymore. The I has been crucified. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. We, we need to crucify the I, the, the me. I've got to crucify me. Die daily. Um, this, this can look like I'm just going to give you some, a few practical things. We need to die to our weaknesses. What, when you look in the mirror and you see things you don't like, I'm not talking about your height, your weight, your hair color, um, you know, whether your nails are looking good or not. I'm talking about when you see things that don't represent Jesus well, when, when you see things in you that, uh, you know, that, really stand out against the word of God. They don't align with the word of God. Those are things that need to die. You know? Those are things that we, we need to take to God. We need to, we need to ask God for, for help. Um, and, and it could be simple like this, you know? I always say the longer you're in Christ and the longer you're growing to be more like Jesus, the more refined the things he are, he's dealing with. When you first come to Christ, he's dealing with big chunk things like, you know, I was addicted and I'm, now I'm set free or I was an alcoholic and now I'm free. Um, you know, I, I was, a, uh, you know, a thief and now I stopped stealing. But the longer you're in Jesus, he, he works toward the matters of your heart. And so for me, there may be someone uh, that just gets under my skin. You know, you ever have anyone like that? And I have to go to God and say, God, you know, so-and-so, I don't know why inside of me I react the way I do when I'm around this person. But Lord, help me to die to that. Lord, help me to love them the way you love them. Help me to see them through your eyes. Or maybe there's a trigger, you know, there's a trigger every time something happens uh, related to this person or to my wife or to my family, I just go off the deep end. I need to die to that. Are you understanding me? When, when I look in the mirror and see things that don't reflect Jesus, it's not a time to say, well, you know, at least I'm a lot better than her over there. Or at least, you know, I'm further along than so-and-so who's been in the church 20 years. That, that's, not the, that's not the right response. You understand, the eye needs to be crucified. And how I'm living my life and the things that don't reflect Jesus, we can either put up with and, and uh, make excuses for, or we could go to God and say, Lord, this thing's got to die. Would you help me? I don't like what's inside of me. I don't like the things that I say when this happens to me. 
I don't like the feelings I have when so-and-so, you know, when I, I get so easily offended. I don't like that. Lord, would you help this die in me? Would you help me look more like Jesus in this area? Would you help me, Lord? And here's a, here's, here's a little help. John uh, chapter 3, verse 30. This is what John the Baptist said. It says, he must become greater. I must become less. When we look at our lives in relationship to uh, being a Christ follower, and we want him to become greater, we want him to get glory in our lives, we want him to get the honor, and we start uh, humbling ourselves and setting our ways and our will aside, we're moving in the right direction. You know, this concept, I want to I say, uh, is nothing new. This is not a new teaching. I want to share with you some quotes from, from people who were considered sort of giants in the faith and offered much to the faith. Um, I have a few of them. This, this man named Thomas A. Kempis. This is what he said. The more a man dies to himself, the more... He begins to live unto God. You see that? If you, the more you die to yourself, the more you begin to live to God. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, he said, when Christ calls a man, he bids him to come and die. Charles Spurgeon, he says, I've now concentrated all my prayers into one, that I may die to self and live wholly to him. Martin Luther Until a man is nothing, God can make nothing out of him. D.L. Moody, let God have your life. He can do more with it than you can. This concept has been a prominent feature throughout the generations. We don't like to hear about it. We don't like the discomfort of what it will cost us, but the reality is, if we want to experience the true life that is offered in Christ, we've got to look at this and say, you know, Jesus, I know that you weren't saying uh, choose option A or B. Option B is, you know, denying yourself and taking up your cross. Option A is I'll follow you when it's convenient for me. He was not offering us those options. He was saying that if you're going to follow me, this is what it's going to look like. But the, the, the promise on the other side is so much more. So the first one is crucify the eye. The second one is crucify the desires of your flesh. What's the difference? Crucify the eye is how I'm living today. Crucifying the desires of our flesh is the stuff that tempts me. It's the stuff that I'm, I'm uh, acutely or, or uniquely prone to be tempted by. The things that I may be tempted by are not the same things as you necessarily that you'll be tempted by. So we need to crucify the desires of your flesh. Galatians 5.24 says this. Those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. The flesh is not our skin. I want you to understand that. In this context, the flesh is the, the things that drive us. The things that we're passionate about. The things that, you know, if it were in front of our face that we would be so tempted to say no to our passions and our desires, the things that we struggle with uh, avoiding. 
You understand? That's the flesh. And we need to crucify the desires of the flesh. And I want to say this. You know, sometimes we make these excuses. Well, I'm Italian, you know. Italians always talk that way. Or, you know, I'm Irish. It's just in my generations. We just all drink. We all just get slopping drunk all the time. I don't care what, what you are. To be honest with you, you've got to crucify the desires of the flesh. You understand? It, uh, it's a temptation that needs to die in order for, you to, for your life to bring honor and glory to God. We come up with all kinds of reasons to justify our actions, but they don't work when we're standing in front of a holy God. You understand? I, I want you to get this because it really has the potential of more than anything except giving your life to Jesus propel you into a place of being used powerfully and mightily for God. I'm not saying that you can make yourself holy apart from Jesus, but I am saying that you need to work alongside of Jesus and stop making excuses for your, for your lifestyle. All of us do. He's making us more like Jesus. We're growing to be more like him. That means when the Holy Spirit is saying, you know, I don't like this in you, or this needs to change, we don't make an excuse. We respond and say, Lord, help me. Help me. I need your help in this area of my life. And again, it could go from the biggest of sins to what we would say is, oh, it was just a little gossip. I was just, you know, I was just saying that she was this and this and that. The Holy Spirit wants to work in us to kill some things in our lives. All right? So um, crucifying the desires of the flesh. Things that, that go against the word, we must put them to death. And, you know, Nike says, just do it. And the Holy Spirit saying, no, don't just do it. Burger King will say, have it your way. And the Holy Spirit will say, no, don't have it your way. Frank Sinatra will say, I did it my way. And the Holy Spirit said, you should have done it my way. You understand? We need to follow the word of God and the Holy Spirit. He's, he's, he's in it for us. He, he wants to lead us um, to, to be powerful in this world, to make a difference in this world. And so we need to make the choice to put those passions and desires to death. Here's the last thought I have. So we need to crucify the I. I have been crucified with Christ. We need to put to death the desires of the flesh, those are the temptations. They'll always come our way. You can, you can take uh, or gain some hope in this, that Jesus was tempted in all things and yet was without sin. He, he can help us. He can help us. You know, I could go on and on about this concept, but we are now carriers of God Almighty. He lives inside of us. You know, and, and I mean, the reality is that sometimes we take that so lightly. We take his grace so lightly. Oh, it's okay. I just can go do what I want and then ask him to forgive us or forgive me. But the reality is we carry, uh, we, we carry God. The Bible says the same power that raised Christ from the dead lives in you. The Bible tells us we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We, we, what we carry, I don't think we fully realize so powerful. He is, he's, he's called Holy Spirit. His, he's here to make us holy, to make us more like Jesus. 
He's sort of our guide, our leader. He'll show us the way. He'll remind us of the things that Jesus spoke about. He'll, he'll give us warnings, you know, the and 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 when we're getting closer and closer to things. But, you know, we have this override mechanism within us. You know, we could say, no, my will. I'm going to do it my way. Or I'll deal with that another time. But when we submit ourselves to his leading, it's powerful. We're changed. And a lot of times, uh, we don't see it in ourselves, but people who get around us who haven't seen us uh, in a while, they'll be like, man, you are so different. You're so different. That's because, you know, I've been doing my best to surrender my life to God. Now, please understand me. There, there's going to be, there's, there's steps along the way that maybe, you know, there's, there's successes, 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 failures, but you just got to get up and keep going. You got to get up and keep going. Don't let the process be forever, you know? It's, you're in the process of one test, but then you can move past that and step into a new realm, a new place in God. And here's the last thought I have. It's crucify, crucify the influences of the world. In Galatians 6.14, this is what it says. May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Paul is saying that the secret of his life is that he has a world filter. In essence, what is it that you're, what is it that you're allowing into your life? What is, it, what is it that you're allowing your eyes to see and your ears to hear? And what is it that you're putting yourself around? Uh, I'll share a, somewhat of a shameful story here. Um, last Friday night, uh, my wife and I and daughter were going to the movies. And um, a lot of times we try and find a movie at, at the Hollywood because the Hollywood is like 2 or $3 per person. And it's just economical, you know. And um, so we're getting ready to leave. We asked Mary if she wants to go, and she's like, no. And uh, apparently she had told my daughter that that movie has a lot of sex scenes and nudity. And so we're driving, and I didn't hear it until I'm in the car. And all of a sudden, that thing just clicks in me, like, I, I really don't want to be around that stuff, you know? I mean, guys have a propensity to be, you know, influenced by that. I know women do, too. But the reality is I, I want to try and avoid that as much as possible. I'm not perfect. You know, there's times I'm watching a movie or something and something comes on and I'm trying to look away and I'll just, honey, tell me when it's done because I just don't want to let that stuff into me. I, don't, I, I, want, to, I want to keep the influences of the world as far away as possible. Again, I'm not perfect. I could be, I could be um, this has happened to me dozens of times. I'm searching for something on the internet. You know, like uh, a sermon graphic or this or that. And wouldn't you know it, you're searching for something godly and there's a nude woman in the picture there, you know? And I mean, I'm like, turn it off quickly. But I mean, these, it's everywhere. I'm not just talking about nudity. I'm talking about the influences of the world. And we could cave to it or we could, we could uh, put on this world filter. The filter of, God, what does your word say? And I, I want to stay away from these things, you know. I don't want them to influence my life. And Paul says, I've been crucified to the world, and the world has been crucified to me. Um, you know, 
I want to close with just a few thoughts. I, I feel like the Lord is saying, you know, I've made a way for you to have a new life. The Bible says, if any person is in Christ, they are a new creation. The power of that sin nature is broken over our lives. But the reality is our choices can continue to lead us down the way we used to be, the road that we used to be, the things that we used to do, the things that we used to look at, the way we used to live and talk and think. And we need to continue to put those things to death. We need to continue to crucify them. And as we do, you'll see that they lose their influence over your life. I'm continually doing this in my life. I'm continually asking God, help me. Help me to gain victory in this area. Help me to walk in a way that would honor you in my life. And here we are today. We're talking about this concept of following him. This is what Christ followers do. Again, it's not this perfect journey. I mean, we see in Peter's life, Jesus says, hey, buddy, you're going to deny me. I am not going to deny you. I got this. And all of a sudden, he's standing in front of people denying Jesus. And when he heard the, the rooster crow, he starts cursing, calling down curses upon himself. It's not perfect, but we need to be moving in that direction. You understand? We need to be moving in the direction towards becoming more like Jesus. The more radically, I want you to hear this, the more radically we choose to crucify things in our lives, the more radically we'll grow in him. And the more radically we grow in him, the more power, the more anointing, the more intimacy we're positioned to walk into. He's given us the abilities to step out. Amen? Now, I want you to just think for a minute, what is it? Is the Holy Spirit saying something in you? I'm not here to condemn anyone. I'm here to help every one of us grow. Could you imagine for a moment if we began to live this crucified life? If we began to accept, listen, I am all in on this Jesus thing. It means that it's going to cost me something. There's things that maybe I used to do that I'm choosing not to do now because he matters more to me than those things. Could you imagine what a, a family, a home would look like if we decided to go all in on this? Could you imagine... What, what our groups could look like or our church could look like. Uh, could you imagine what could happen in the city if we were just all in? I'm just going to lay it down. I'm just going to lay it down. There's, it's, it's so worth it. And I want to just, if, if the Holy Spirit's speaking to you about something specific, would you just say to the Lord as the beginning of this process, Lord, would you kill that thing in me? I don't want this anymore. All across this room, we, we all have something we can we could say, God, I, wanna, I want that to be crucified in my life. I don't want that thing to have life anymore. I want to go on with you, and this thing's been holding me back. This thing's been holding me back. I want to pray for you. 
and then we'll close. On a side note, I came up here with the intention of saying, if someone has ringing specifically in the right ear, uh, it may be both ears, but I, I felt like God was saying that he wants to heal that. If that's you, would you just receive that by faith, or you can, at the end, come up and receive prayer? But I feel like God wants to do something there. But let's just, would you just bow your heads, even where you're seated right now? And you could have a conversation with God as I just pray for you. Father, today we come, Lord, and I just, within the sound of my voice, I know there's people that, Father, they want to do right. They want their lives to matter. They want their lives to honor you. Father, I pray that you give them strength to to put to death the things that are holding them back. I pray for, uh, Father, a journey in victory in their lives, one thing after another. They're just putting it behind them. It's no longer who they are. It's no longer representative of who they want to be. And I pray by your spirit that you give them strength, that you, that you help them, that you speak to them, that they hear your voice and they respond, God. I bless what you're doing in this place. I bless what you're doing in every life, every family. God, we honor you today and we say, have your way, God. And we ask these things in the mighty name of Jesus. We can't do this apart from you, Lord. We acknowledge that today in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you guys. If you need prayer, there'll be a ministry team here. Otherwise, have a great Sunday.